Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's Word, fellowship, and prayer. Do you guys have a favorite musical? Yeah, okay. Everyone has a favorite musical. Um, Brandon's is Newsies. I found this out a while back. Um, I'm trying to think. I really, I love Les Mis. Um, my best friend in high school and I would often just uh, quote, I stole a loaf of bread. Like that, that is the funniest line out of that musical. Um, if you don't have a favorite musical, that means your favorite musical is Hamilton. Um, all right. Uh, have you guys ever heard of the musical Godspell? Okay. So Godspell is this musical from the 1970s uh, that reimagines the Gospel of Matthew as having taken place in the 1970s in New York City. So, uh, you know, it begins with John the Baptist singing, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And then all of these different citizens from New York start like flocking and he's baptizing them in a fountain. Um, So obviously, uh, there's a lot of like unbiblical things about that, you know, not being in Israel and all. But I... I do like the, the sentiment, the idea of reimagining scenes from Scripture as if they had taken place today. And so, uh, you know, Moses, for example, maybe he, was, he would be a shepherd today, walking out in the pasture before he, you know, sets his people free. And uh, he sees the burning bush out of the corner of his eye. And then his smartphone buzzes. And it's another anti-Semitic tweet from Pharaoh. (laughs) Right? Um, So Solomon had hundreds of wives and hundreds of concubines. If if he were in his situation today, um, he wouldn't need wives. He would just need internet access. Right? Now Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. If he were alive today, he would still be short, right? So he would still have the same problem. Now, the difference is, potentially, as a tax collector, he would have been a wealthy man. Maybe he could have paid for cosmetic height surgery. Have you heard of this? I looked this up just for this dumb anecdote, and this is like the most horrific thing you could do, is lengthen your femurs surgically. Um, Awful. Okay, so obviously, I wouldn't recommend this as like a solid theological framework, right? Reimagining scenes from Scripture, characters from Scripture today. But oftentimes, I do find that this kind of thought experiment helps us realize that 1 Corinthians 10, 13 is true. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. And man, we see these characters in Scripture, and sometimes it's hard to imagine what they were going through, and and we can distance ourselves from them. But at the end of the day, they're just people. 
They're human beings. They're flesh and bone, just like you and I are. And they struggled with all the same things you and I struggle with. So I want to reimagine a scene from Scripture as it might happen today in this dispensation, okay? Rather than having taken place in the Old Testament, taking place in the New Testament, in the church age. So in John 14, we see Jesus talking to his disciples, and uh, he's, you know, conversing with them as he does. And in verse 7, Jesus says, If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. We'll be content. Show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? So just recently, we uh, completed a series in Kaya through uh, 1 Corinthians. And so, you know, uh, Pastor Brandon, I'm not the pastor here. If you want to hear Pastor Brandon, I want to invite you to fall retreat because you'll get to not only hear Brandon preach, but you'll get to hear his heart for our ministry. Uh, you'll get to hear his vision that God has given him for this ministry as we minister to college and young adults here in Kansas City. Okay, but, uh, you know, Pastor Brandon went through 1 Corinthians and in chapter 15, we learned about how when we die or when we get raptured, whichever comes first, we will be with Jesus. And that's a really amazing, amazing promise, right? And so I imagine, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in the crowd, I'm sitting in the congregation, and, and I just have this conversation with Jesus. Man, Jesus, things would be so much better if you were here. Things would be so much better if you were here. And just then, the Holy Spirit whispers, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Seth? Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Ashton? Like, I've been with you so long. Have you not known me, Melissa? Right? Like, we, we have this, this grandiose vision of, of when Jesus returns, and it's true. Right? Like, things will be amazing. But what the situation we're in is, is really similar to the situation Philip found himself in, where God was in his life, but he wasn't content with how God was in his life. So with that, um, man, let's, let's take a look at Jesus' response to Philip and see if we can glean anything uh, from this parallel for our lives today. Um, so I'm going to pray. Lord, you are so good to us. And, uh, man, I just think about the baptisms this morning. and Jesus, you are Lord, and you're with us. Um, and I just pray that you would give us eyes to see that. Lord, in every way, uh, you're with us. And so, God, you know, like, I'm a man of stumbling lips. God, um, I, I could preach till I'm blue in the face and, and not make any sense. So, God, I, I need your grace. I, I pray that you would speak through me and get your word into all of our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so 
You know, Philip asks, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus says, have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? So we, like Philip, need to have Jesus in our lives in the first place, right? To be with Jesus, to know him, to see him, you need to have Jesus Christ in your life. Okay, well, how does that happen? 1 John 5, 11 through 13 says, And this is the record that God hath given to us, eternal life, given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. All right, so to have Jesus in our lives is to have eternal life. And to have eternal life is to believe on Jesus, to submit your life to him, as we heard in the the testimonies this morning, right? To believe that we were separated by God from our sin, and we had no way of having a right relationship to God. But Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, was willing to die and suffer the wrath of God for our sins on the cross, And that when he rose from the dead, he had victory over sin, over death, and he offers eternal life. That same victory that he had, he offers that to anyone that will receive it. It is by grace through faith. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. Right? And if you simply believe in your heart and call on him for forgiveness of sins, to call on him as Lord and Savior, you will have Jesus Christ in your life. The Bible guarantees this. Amen? And so, key point number one, have Jesus in your life. (laughs) Right? Like, none of this sermon matters if you don't have Jesus Christ in your life right now. So, you need to have Jesus in your life. Believe. Jesus died for the sins of the world. Did he die for your sins? Have you owned it? Jesus is Lord, but is he your Lord? And so hopefully you're here today and you have placed your trust. You've placed your faith in Jesus Christ. But you can have God in your life and yet completely miss him, just like Philip did. Philip had Jesus Christ in his life, but he just, he'd missed it. He didn't, he didn't get it. Um, so my freshman year of college, I had to take this speech class uh, as an elective uh, at Longview. And the teacher, she was crazy, but uh, she had an extra credit assignment where you could go to the play that Longview was putting on. And uh, so I went, there was another girl in class uh, that I went to high school with, and so we sat next to each other at this play, and we're watching the play unfold. I don't even remember what it was about. It was, uh, but I remember seeing the people in the show, and I lean over to my friend Jessica, and I'm like, is that, what's her face? Is that Brianna from high school? Didn't we graduate with her? And she goes, oh, yeah, well, it's either Brianna or her twin sister, Caitlin. And I was like, twin sister? 
what? <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm racking my brain the rest of the play. I'm like, I'm going to have to talk. To, how did I not know Brianna had a twin? And so after the play is over, we go, I find her. I'm like, Brianna, it's so good to see you. I haven't seen you in a year. Um, but Jessica told me, uh, we were in homeroom for four years together. How did I not know you had a twin? And she goes, Seth, I wasn't in your homeroom. <laughs> there were two girls at my high school that I thought were the same person for four years. Um, and so just like Philip, we could have someone in our lives, but just like be completely clueless, right? We can, we can miss out on what's going on. You can be with someone for years and not know them the way you ought to. If you believe Paul wrote Hebrews, well, I, I do personally. Well, the same apostle Paul that wrote in Hebrews 13, 5, uh, that Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. He's the same apostle Paul that writes in Philippians 3, 7, yea, doubtless, 3, 8, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Right, Ephesians 3, we're getting into the book of Ephesians. You need to come back. Brandon's going through Ephesians. Ephesians 3 talks about how we need to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Right? Paul, of all people, knew that Jesus Christ is with us, and yet he made it his life's goal to know him. And I think we miss that sometimes. We, you know, we know, at least intellectually, that we have Christ in our lives, but we, we fail to really know him. And so knowing Jesus, starting in the second half of verse 9, Jesus says, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. So, seeing him, right? We need to have Jesus in our lives, but we also need to see him, right? And and that's not physically. We don't physically see him the way you see me right now and I see you. Um, but from a spiritual standpoint, we can have Jesus in our lives, yet our eyes fail. Our eyes fail to see him at work in our lives. And how in the world does that happen? How do we fail to see Jesus Christ? Well, in the parable of the sower uh, that Jesus says, uh, you know, there are these four types of soil. 
And one of these types of soil that uh, the word of God is sown into, the, the soil is a picture of the hearts of men, but one of the types of soil is, is thorny ground, okay? And Jesus describes what this thorny ground is, where the, the thorns choke out the word of God. In Mark four nineteen, Jesus says, And the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. I really love Proverbs 27, verse 7. It says, The full soul loatheth an honeycomb, but to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. And man, we can, we can fill our lives with just all this stuff from the world, and we just become completely blind to spiritual things, right? The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the pleasures of life, the lusts of other things. We fill our soul with these things, and, and then we end up, we loathe the sweet things of God, right? We, we can't see spiritual things, and this is why, man, today's day and age, we are Laodicean. We are the church described in Revelations chapter 3. Verse 17, Jesus says to this church, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked? I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent." Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. See, Jesus is present, but they can't see. He's, he's outside the door. He's knocking. And Laodicea is too blind to see it. And so key point number two, don't let the cares of this world blur your vision. I think it's Proverbs 21, 17. It says, he that loveth pleasure shall not be rich. And uh, man, that's true physically and it's true spiritually. Right? If, if we love pleasure, if we love the things of this world, we're not going to receive from God the true riches that we have in Christ. So don't let the cares of this world blur your vision. Okay, so we need to see Christ in our lives. We need to know him. So we need to see him and believe him. Okay, so believing Jesus. So once we can see clearly, like, can, can we see Jesus? Can we see him where he says he's at in his word? Philip couldn't see, so Jesus points him back to his word, right? In verse 10 of John 14, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Right? Jesus is saying, hear my words and, and believe. Okay? So where does Jesus tell us that he's at in our lives? 
Well, first, the Holy Spirit. Colossians 1.27 describes the Holy Spirit as Christ in you, the hope of glory. Right? You, Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you because his spirit indwells you when you receive Jesus as your Lord, when you receive him as your Savior. So we have Christ in us, okay? And that's individual. But we also have Christ in our fellowship, in the church, right? In the fellowship of believers, we have Jesus Christ. Jesus told the disciples before he, before he dipped out, right? Before he ascended, he said, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And man, when the word of God is shared in fellowship of believers, when the word of God is shared through preaching and teaching in this place, 1 Corinthians 14, 25 talks about a lost man coming into this place and he hears the word of God shared. And it says, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. And man, we've had so many people come to Christ just in the last year. Can anyone testify to that verse? Like, man, I came here, the secrets of my heart were made manifest, and I fell on my face and I said, of a truth, God is in this place. Is that any, anyone's testimony this morning? Yeah, right? Like, look around. God is here. Jesus promises that where, where two or more are gathered in his name, he's here in the midst. Jesus Christ is here. Like, I don't know if you get that, but just the fact that we are assembled here this morning in Jesus' name, Jesus is here. And we fail to see it. We fail to see the miracle of what God is doing here. People are coming and their lives are being changed because God is in this place, right? And it, it doesn't have anything to do with with me or, or us as a people, right? It's, it's by the grace of God. But God is here. God is also present in his word, right? If you listen to the postscript episode recently, which hopefully you're listening to the postscript, um, you know, Sam talked about how we, we don't need some uh, crazy experience with God in prayer, losing our minds, like turning our brain off. Right? What we need is like, to, to experience the Holy Spirit in our lives is to be filled with the Word of God. Uh, Ephesians 5, 18 and 19 says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And then when you compare that with Colossians 3.16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And so what we have here is being filled with the word of Christ, letting it dwell in you richly in all wisdom. That is being filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Right? Like, and again, we miss, we miss it. We don't realize what we have in the very word of God. You know, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 2 
that the Holy Ghost teaches us the things of God by comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Okay, well, what does that mean? In John 6, 63, Jesus tells us, he says, It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Right? The, the things that we are, the spiritual things that we're to compare with each other, it's the words of God. And then what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, that that's the mind of Christ. That in the words of God, we have the very mind of Jesus Christ. We know his thoughts and emotions on every subject imaginable, right? Like that's the word of God. We have the very mind of Christ in our hands this morning. Do you guys believe that? And then next we see that, man, Jesus is present in his praise. Uh, Pastor Chris quoted this. Uh, this verse this morning uh, after baptism, right? God inhabits the praise of his people. And that's an incredible thing. Guys, like, when we're worshiping here on a Sunday morning, like, God fills this place. I don't know if you realize that. But man, it's such a wonderful thing to come here and just experience God's presence in our worship. He inhabits the praises of his people. And lastly, I think this one is maybe the hardest for us to wrap our head around. Jesus is with us in our suffering. And that is one of the most important things for our spiritual growth is, man, to suffer with Christ. Paul says, you know, I quoted this verse earlier, but in Philippians 3.10, he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. See, you don't get the power of Jesus' resurrection without the fellowship of his sufferings, right? And so God will take us through these really hard seasons that try us, and they try our faith. And what Psalm 46, 1 says is that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help. In trouble. And man, that one thing, that one thing that we want so desperately to be rid of in our lives is that one thing that God's going to use to actually grow you spiritually. Right? Paul said, I glory in my infirmities. Right? Sufferings, bring them on. Right? Like, now we're not going and we're not looking for suffering. Right? Nobody does that. And for that reason, God has to bring suffering into our lives so that we can actually be made conformable to Christ's image. And so Jesus is with you even in your suffering. So next key point, believe that Jesus is with you. <laughs> right? Like these, these key points aren't, they're not anything crazy. They're not anything complex. But I, I need to be reminded of this. Guys, I lose sight. all the time of the fact that Jesus is with me and he's with you. Believe that Jesus is with you. Okay, so next, believing Jesus. So what happens when we believe Jesus Christ, when we take him at his word, that he's with us in all of these different things? We have him in the, the Holy Spirit, Christ in us. We have him 
in the church. He's with us when we meet for Bible study, when we meet on Sunday mornings, when we meet on Tuesday nights. He's with us in his word. He's with us in praise. He's with us in our sufferings. So what happens when we actually take him at his word? Well, Jesus makes this incredible promise in verse 12 of John 14. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Guys, that's an insane promise. That's insane. Jesus says that, man, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, God is going to be able to do greater things through you than he did through Jesus. Do you guys believe that? Like, that's really hard for me to believe. That's really hard for me to believe. So, man, we, uh, we get to do the works Jesus did. Well, what was that? Was it, was it causing the blind to see, like in John 9? Was it causing the, the dumb, right, the mute to speak, like we see in Mark 9, or, uh, or the deaf to hear? Was it raising the dead, like we see in Mark 5? Was it uh, flipping tables and showing the religious elite who's boss, right? Like, I think there's a few of us in here that, that really want that to be the work that we do, right? Just like... Um, But no, guys, uh, while the disciples did all of those things in the book of Acts, uh, you know, Paul makes clear that in 1 Corinthians 13, these miraculous gifts, they cease at the completion of the word of God. You can go back and you, Brandon went way in depth on that, uh, 1 Corinthians 13. So go back on kaya.live slash teachings. Find that, believe it. So, um, man, all, all those, the disciples did those, the apostles did all these miracles. But even then, it was just like Jesus. All of those things were to support, to prop up the true work. The true work that Jesus did, which he describes in John 17. Jesus is praying for his disciples before uh, before he's crucified. And in John 17, 4, Jesus prays to the Father, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that that thou didst send me. And then, you know, in John 17, you jump down to verse 18, it says, As thou hast sent me into the world... Even so, have I also sent them into the world. So guys, in this prayer, Jesus doesn't mention miracles. He doesn't mention healing the blind. He doesn't mention showing up the Pharisees. Right? The true work that Jesus did was winning souls, making disciples, training and equipping leaders, and sending them as missionaries. 
to plant churches. Like that's the work that Jesus Christ did. And when we take Jesus at his word that he's with us, that he's here, that he's in our hearts, right? He, he indwells our hearts by faith. When we take him at his word, you know what we're going to do? We're going to win souls. We're going to make disciples. We're going to train and equip leaders. And we're going to send them all over the world. We just sent a team to Vietnam. Where, where are you going to go? Where are you going to take the presence of God into the world? We should, we should all wrestle with that question. And maybe you go here to Kansas City for the rest of your life. Maybe you go to uh, Raytown or, uh, I don't know, Grandview. Wherever you live, your workplace, go there, but go, right? We are to go and make disciples of all nations. Okay, but Jesus' Jesus's work it was more than just work. It was also prayer, okay? And it was great prayer. We see that that's all of John 17. We have an entire chapter of the Bible that's just Jesus praying. And you know who he's praying for? He's praying for us. In that passage, Jesus says, like, man, I'm not just praying for these disciples. I'm praying for all of the disciples that will believe on me. Like, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus prayed for you. Jesus prayed for you. And what he's doing right now is he's praying for you, right? The reason Jesus could say that uh, the works that I do, he shall do also because I go unto my Father. The reason we can do these awesome works is because we right now have Jesus Christ as our high priest praying for us in all that we do. Man, do I believe that? Jesus made clear that prayer was an invaluable part of his work. Right? John 17, 9, he says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. So next key point. True faith produces effort and dependence. Right? Like, True faith, true belief in Jesus Christ, that should do something to us, right? We are saved by grace through faith, but faith, like, necessitates action, right? Because I believe Jesus Christ, that means all of these things have to be true of my life. Like, if Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that changes everything. That changes everything about my life, and I have to... I've got to get things to change in my life, right? Like, I've got these sin issues that need to go, right? Um, I've got to tell people that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. But then it also needs to produce dependence, right? So, I, man, I could work and work and work. But if the truest work isn't in prayer, then it's, it's all vain, right? If we're not on our knees begging God for our coworkers, for our friends, man, we can share the gospel, but... It'll just be words. God forbid. So does our belief that Christ is in us change the way we live on a daily basis? Does our belief that Christ is with us when we gather together as the saints, does that change us? Does that produce something in us? Right? Does believing that Christ is with us in our suffering bring us joy amidst the trial? 
Does believing that Jesus Christ is with us when we meet for Bible study, does that, like that ought to change the way we think, right? Like getting off work late and coming to Bible study and you're just like, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, right? Like we can do that with Bible study as we just show up exhausted. And I'm guilty of that sometimes, but it's because I forget that Jesus is there with us in Bible study, sitting on the couch, right? Eating Doritos if you're a guy's Bible study. (laughs) If you're a girl's Bible study, you have a four-course meal. (laughs) JJ's Bible study and my Bible study, we meet on the same nights, and so we'll, like, go into the basement. And so we're always, like, upstairs making four packs of ramen (laughs) while they're eating, like, lamb chops and, like, risotto. I don't know how they have time to do that, but God bless them, man. We always, like, come up afterward and just clean house. Whatever they didn't finish is our second course. So, okay, so true faith produces Effort and dependence. Okay, so next, loving Jesus. Okay, so we need to be with Jesus. We need to see everywhere that he's said he is in our lives. And then we need to believe it. We have to believe it, right? And this is how we come to know Jesus Christ better, is when we see him at work in our own hearts, when we see him at work in our Bible study, in our church, when we see what he's doing in the midst of our suffering, when we see that and we choose to believe it, man, that, that changes us. It should transform us. And, and then we just need to love Jesus. In verse 15 through 21, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father And he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also." At that day ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. And guys, with God, love is obedience. God is our Father. And I can obey my, or I can, I can say I love my Father over and over and over again. But if I'm constantly failing to obey him, I'm doing a terrible job of showing him that I love him, right? Like your only job when you're a child is to obey your parents. That's it. Like you have, you clean your room or, you know, take your plate to the sink when you're done, right? You you don't have a whole lot of responsibilities when you're a kid. Uh, You just have to obey, That's pretty much it. And that's how we love God. When we love God, it it is shown through obedience. Right? 
And so we need to love God through obedience. And then, you know, Jesus says the Spirit is going to enable us to do that. Like he gave us the Spirit so that we can obey, right? If it was just up to me, then uh, I would fail every time. But the fact that Christ is in me, changing my desires, as I yield to that, then I'm going to actually obey, right? Like I'm going to love obedience more than I love sin, right? So the Holy Spirit helps us do that. Well, how? Man, I I love this verse, uh, this passage, Proverbs 6, verse 20 through 23. says, My son, keep thy father's commandment, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart, and tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp. And the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Now, how does a commandment guide you? How does a commandment talk to you? It talks it's through the Holy Spirit, right? Like we saw in Colossians 3.16 and Ephesians 5.18 and 19, as we get the word of Christ in us, well, man, the Holy Spirit has something to work with, right? And that's, that's what Jesus Christ tells Philip is, We need the Holy Spirit to comfort us, to show us how to live out the word of God. And what happens when we do that is Christ is manifest. Like, do you guys, verse 21, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. You know what manifesting is? It's, it's being with you, right? It's being with Jesus, seeing Jesus, believing Jesus, and knowing Jesus, right? It's everything we talked about is summed up as we just take the word of God and we obey it, right? Like that is when we see Jesus Christ most manifest in our lives, right? And I mean, Wagi, this was like his whole sermon, right? Is obey, <laughs> um, And so, man, that experience you want, just obey God. (laughs) Just obey the word of God and see where God will take you. So, next key point. Christ is manifest when we love him, when we obey him. Christ is manifest. See, there's no better way to be with Jesus and know him than to lovingly obey his words in fellowship with other believers. Okay, so as we conclude, do you have Christ in your life? You're here this morning. Do you, do you have Jesus Christ in your life? Has there ever been a point where you called on Jesus Christ as your personal Lord, your personal Savior, recognizing that you didn't deserve it Right? Your sin separated you from God. You know, I was thinking, um, as I was doing this thought experiment of like, what, what, hap- what, what would these different scenes in Scripture look like if they, were, if they happened today? And when I think about the gospel, when I think about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, um, it's, it's crazy. Uh, I mean, just the fact that God 
became a man, lived a perfect life, right? Like, to think, if that were to take place today, we would just, you know, we'd be here, Jesus would be preaching on the streets, he'd be, you know, have a whole crowd, like, walking through Kansas City, um, preaching the gospel, and, you know, if Jesus hadn't died and resurrected, there wouldn't be churches, there would just be synagogues all over, so, you know, uh, but all of the legalistic pastors would be super mad at him, right, really everyone, all the religious figures um, would not like what Jesus is doing, the message that he's preaching, because it's convicting to them, and yet uh, it's, it's so convicting to them that uh, they wanted to kill him. Guys, we don't, we don't have anything quite like the cross in Western culture. Um, there, there's nothing like it. But I was thinking, you know, I think the closest thing um, would be like curb stomping. Um, I don't, I mean, no, I, I, I don't mean that like in a funny way. But seriously, like we, we get so familiar with the cross that we forget what it even is. We wear it around our neck and we wear it on our shirts and I'm not like, feel free to do that. But it's, it's an instrument of torture and humiliation. And Jesus took that for us. Like imagine the king of glory getting curb stomped on the Paseo. His teeth broken out, bleeding to death for our sins. Right? Like, and the cross is worse than that. Right? Jesus took that for us. He hung on a cross to die for hours. He died for our sins. He died for your sins. He died for my sins. And man, there's no coming back from that. Right? Like, not only just the, the brutal death, but the humiliation, right? Like, the only way you can come back from something like that is to raise from the dead, which Jesus Christ did. It's like, like the second phase in a boss fight, right? Like, Jesus' second phase, he's, he's unbeatable, right? Like, the, the only way you overcome the humiliating death of the cross is is to actually raise from the dead. You know, and like Captain America, he's like, I can do this all day. You know, like that's, that's our God. He beat death. He beat sin. And he offers that to anyone who will receive it. To anyone who will repent of their sin, repent of themselves, and choose to follow Jesus Christ with their life, right? To accept his sacrifice for your sins. And so do you have Christ in your life? Do you have him? Okay, and if you have him, do you see him where he has promised that he is in your life? Do you see him? And then do you believe him? Do you, be, do you really believe that Jesus Christ indwells your heart by faith? Do you really believe that when you meet for Bible study, he's there? That when we, we gather together on Sundays, that he's here right now? Do you believe that when we praise God in this place, that he's, he's here, he in, inhabits the praise of his people. And do you believe that Jesus Christ is with you even in your suffering, whatever it is you're going through? And so let's not be waiting for some crazy event to be content in our faith, right? And um, Angel and Melissa, if you guys want to come up and um, 
and close us in worship, right? Like whatever it is you're struggling with, you don't have to wait for God to show up like Philip was waiting for the Father to show up. Jesus Christ is here, right? And there will be a day where he'll be here physically and he'll take us home to heaven. But until then, we have Jesus Christ in our lives and we, we can be content, right? Like we don't, we don't have to wait for something because we have Christ in our lives now. And I pray that we can receive that. And so, um, man, if you have something to deal with, whether you don't know that you have Christ in your life or whether, uh, man, you just have forgotten what we have in Christ, please come forward. We're going to have counselors talk with you uh, and just show you from the word of God how you can have a right relationship with God today. Heavenly Father, I come to you and Lord, I'm so thankful that we have you, Lord, that you're with us. And God, I just pray that we would truly have eyes to see it. Lord, if there's anyone here today that, um, that does not know you, Lord, that they would walk away knowing that they know you. Um, God, I pray that we as a ministry would just wrap our minds around the fact that you are with us. And uh, Lord, that that's everything. Lord, give us eyes to see, give us hearts to believe. In Jesus' name, amen. today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.